I'd love to pray. Lord Jesus, as your word comes now, would you speak to our hearts? We want to position ourselves to hear what is on your heart and what you have to say. We submit ourselves to your word. Let your word be the truth that shapes us. Not a book that we go to to, um, to see what we should or shouldn't do, but actually that your truth is held in your word, that we can know you, that we can come to know your character and who you are. In your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So this morning, the, um, I want to preach on something that is actually so familiar to some of us that you might be like, well, that's not new for me. I've been in Josh Jen for a number of years. Something that I hope will serve as a reminder and something also for those who have recently given their lives to the Lord. For those of us who've even this morning given our lives to the Lord. And I want to preach about this fact and it's a simple one and the old Josh Jen is going to go, not again. Hopefully, not, hopefully you're not going to say that. But, and for the rest of us, there is this principle that Jesus teaches about life with him and how as a believer, if you can find and unlock this one truth for yourself, you will find life and you will find life in abundance in everything. And it's this little phrase Josh Jen coined it many years ago, but I want to preach this morning on life is found in death. That life that we find is found in death. And I know that that is a confusing statement, so hopefully that was enough of a clincher. I spend more time thinking about my titles than everything else, so hopefully, hopefully that it sparked some interest. Well, Josh Jen, for many years, since this church was started, the phrase dying to live we've always used. And sometimes we, we've overemphasized it so much we would say things like, okay, we always talk about dying, can we talk about living? But actually, there is this incredible principle, and I want to start with this. If you are a believer, if you love the Lord, and you experience areas of your life where you're not finding life, where those things are hard and difficult in your relationship with God, can I suggest this to you, that there is a strong possibility that in that area you've stopped dying. That actually when we die, which is to yield or to submit our lives, when we die, God brings life in that area, and life in abundance. So I'd love us if we could turn in our Bibles to Luke 5, verse 36 to 39. And Jesus is busy speaking to his disciples and those who are following him, and he says this. They've just questioned him. They've just said, Jesus, why don't your disciples do what everybody else has to do? John's disciples, they fast and they, they do all these religious things, but why don't your disciples do them? And then Jesus has answered them, and this is part of his answer. He says, then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a cloth, a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins. Spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks, and this, this is a little phrase for us, and I want you to remember this, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. And actually that closing line where nobody, once you've had old wine, you actually don't want new wine because the old wine is just 
fine. And do you know that that is often how we approach our relationship with Jesus? That Jesus introduces this incredible principle of if you want to follow me, you need to lay down your life, pick up your cross, and die daily. But you know what? When you've lived a very selfish life where it is of no sacrifice and things are on your terms and you've tasted that old wine, very often it's like, ah, I don't know if I want the new wine because the old wine is just fine. You know, when, when I can have Jesus as an add-on to my relationship, when I can follow him and everything else, and Jesus is teaching his disciples a principle. He is saying, if you try and adopt an old way of living into this new wine that I've put inside of you, all you're going to do is burst the skin and lose the wine. You cannot follow Jesus if your life is not laid down at the foot of the cross. Do you know that you, you cannot follow Jesus? It says if you seek to save, and we're going to look at all these scriptures, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. I've, the more you grasp for your life and your preferences, and, your, and if you try and wrestle with God on this stuff, oh, but I just, I just want this, or I just need that, or I just, you know, I, it's just my family, I'm just focusing on this thing. And the more that you struggle to hold on to life, you will lose it. And so as a new believer, sometimes you're like, well, what does this mean to die? To, like, how, what do you expect me to do? To die is to completely yield, and it becomes unimportant when compared to Jesus. It means my, my, my job, my status, my everything becomes unimportant if I compare it to my relationship with Jesus. More practical example, I mean, I wouldn't take a job that will work against my relationship with Jesus. It means I wouldn't go into business if it in any way would come in the way of my life with Jesus. My, I wouldn't do something that would pull me out of the body, that would pull me out of fellowship. It means I won't, I won't hold on to ungodly things in my life that will separate me from Jesus. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples, and there's a whole bunch of references to this. And I want to say this, that if you are struggling to, people say, ah, oh, you know, my quiet times are just dead at the moment. I'm saying your quiet time is dead because you're not dying. You're not yielding. When you yield to Jesus, you find life. When, if, if worship is dry, it's because there is no sacrifice. When you sacrifice and lay down your life, so you will find life in Jesus. And I realized, since uh, Ryan touched on this on Thursday with us as an eldership team, and he was reminding us again, he's saying, I know you know this. I know that your lives aren't your own. I know that you have given up everything, but I want to remind you, are you giving up everything? Is your life still your own? Is your preference still the determining factor in your relationship with Jesus? Jesus didn't come to bring, bring some additional rules for you to follow in your life. If you gave your life to Jesus this morning, there were those who responded, and I, I'm so excited about that, but I want to tell you, the last thing he did when you put up your hand was give you a rule book. But actually, when you say, I surrender my life to Jesus, it means my life is no longer mine, it is yours. I yield, you can have it. What would you like to do with it? Oh, no, but I don't want to do that. It's... It, it, it clashes with, you know, like, for example, the rugby yesterday. 
Andrew's amazing. He called a gathering in the middle of the Springbok rugby game. I was like, Andrew, what are you doing testing us here? It's small things. It's, it's, when, it's when my life, I make all my decisions based on Jesus, what do you want? Luke 9 verse 23. Then Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower. Jesus has become popular. He's become trending. He is hashtag trending. Everybody wants to know. Miracle worker, amazing, follow Jesus. And Jesus said to the standard, he says to them, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Because he is the way. You must give up your own way and you must take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? If you so desperately do everything to cling to your life, to save it, in the end you will lose it. Do you know why? Because this life is temporary. You can make the biggest success of these 80 years that you've got, 90, because there's some 80-year-olds amongst us. You could make the biggest success of these 90 years, and those 90 years compared to eternity mean nothing. You could, you could save 90 years, but lose eternity. That actually as a believer, you are called to live a life that is not your own. It means my house is not my own. My time is not my own. My energy is not my own. My life is not my own. My car is not my own. My finances are not my own. It's all yielded to the foot of, it's all yours, Jesus. What do you want to do with it? That my career choice is not based on what do you think the best move is for me so that I can do what I want to say what does Jesus say? Have you asked him? That whenever I see guys make very interesting decisions, for example, splitting and living on two different sides of a continent so that you can make your, your, your life situation work, I'm saying like, where is Jesus when you make these decisions? Guys, you want to just immigrate for the sake of income and security. I'm saying, you could save this life for 90 years, Max but then lose it in the biggest scheme of things. Matthew 16, verse 22. And so this is a great example, is that um, Jesus has asked his disciples this question. He said, like, who do the people say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter has this incredible revelation. He's like, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus is like, yes, Peter, and that wasn't given to you by heaven, but, but you have re- by yourself, but you've received it from heaven. And Peter's like, Yes, I'm getting this Christianity thing. I'm getting this disciple thing. Like, finally, one of us, me, are getting it, Jesus. Like, there's 12 of us, and I seem to be the only one getting it. And so then Jesus says, okay, cool. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go and die. And Peter's like, hang on. I'm going to speak into Jesus' life. You know, I've, I am that believer. I'm that radical one. I know. And so, and, but Peter took Jesus aside and began to reprimand him. That's bold, eh? That is bold. One revelation, and he's like, I have all truth. Pulls Jesus aside and begins to reprimand him. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. 
Peter. He's saying, no, 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 never, Jesus. What you're doing is so important, and what you've told me is kind of important too, so, and if you die, then what you said to me can't happen, so never, Lord, it can't happen to you. He's starting to think through his lens of his life. Never, Lord, surely. Jesus turned to Peter, and he said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. I want to say when you look at your life with merely a human point of view and not God's, that is a dangerous trap. When, when this world and what it has to offer becomes the determining factors of all your decisions, you are in danger of falling into a very dangerous trap. That when everything is based on, you know, I want to retire at 50, or I want to, this is what I want to accomplish in my life, or this is what I want to do, or this is, I, for a lot of us, there are the few who are looking, how much can I save and put away to make sure that I'll be safe, and for others, it's just about how do I survive? And I'm just trying to make sure that at the end of this month, I'm not in the red. That if I get a, a zero, it's as good as savings for some. Not going into the red is for some. And I want to tell you that even that viewpoint, just that willingness to, I just want to survive, I'll do what it takes. That's a worldly view. When you look at your life through just a human point of view, you're at risk of a very dangerous trap. This 90 years that we've been given has a purpose. There is a reason. There is calling. There is building the kingdom. There is some, but what it isn't is for you to try and make sure that you secure these 90 years. 90 years is actually not a long time. It's actually not a long time. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross. For Jesus, the cross meant losing everything. Are we those who follow our own way? Or are we those who pick up Jesus' cross? I think one of the things is that I, I, I realize that in the world that we live in today, that probably the, the aspect of Christianity that is preached less than anything else is this fact about actually your life is not your own. Actually, you should just be following Jesus. I, I, I watch how so many people get caught up in different theologies and doctrines and understanding the scriptures and, and how do I do this and what is the best way to do that? And, I'm, and actually, being a, following Jesus is very simple. It's when you see Jesus and you yield and you, you respond to him by saying, you are king of kings, you are Lord of lords, here's my life, take it, what would you do with it? Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. In John 12, 23, so Jesus says this, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. I tell you the truth, uh, truth, sorry, <laughs> truths. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. 
It doesn't matter how incredible that kernel of wheat is, unless it dies. Jesus is referring to himself. He's saying, if I don't die, then you can't all be saved. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. I want to try and bring like a practical application to the scripture because it's so easy to, to, to fall into Christian jargon of like, okay, Lord, uh, I'll lose my life. I'll give you everything. But then we don't actually know what that means when we wake up on Monday morning. It's like, oh man, that was an incredible scripture. That truth really cut me. But, but what does it look like tomorrow? What does it look like the day after? What does it look like through the rest of the week? So there's some points I wanted to make for that. The first is this, to give Jesus everything, and this is quite profound, is to give Jesus everything. Because we often like to think that, God, I'll, I'll give it, we sing these songs, I'll give everything, I'll lay it at your feet. But actually to give Jesus everything is to give him everything. That means he can take anything. I want you to think about the thing that right now you want most. What is, the, what is the aim of your life at the moment? What is the goal that you are building towards? For some, it's studies. Maybe I want to build a career. Maybe I want to have a family. Maybe I want to become a professional at something. Maybe for some, it's I want to survive this month. If you had to ask yourself that question, what is it that my life is aiming at? And then I want to say, does that compare as nothing compared to Jesus? Is my life's goal, I'll give it up if Jesus said give it up. Do you know that he will? There will come a point where he'll ask you. He will ask you. There's this story in the Bible of this rich young ruler, and he comes to Jesus and he says, I, and the equivalent is this, somebody who is the successful Christian businessman, who lives such an upright life, and he has a business that impacts many people. And he's doing everything that the Bible instructs him to do. He's giving to the poor. He's looking after people. He's helping. He's kind. He's loving the Lord as God. He's not murdering. That's a great accomplishment. He's not jealous. He's not, he's, if we come to church, this rich young ruler is the kind of guy that everybody's like, oh man, I wish I could be like Tony. Like, he's... And so this rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, I've done everything. And Jesus could see straight through the fact that he has done everything, but he hasn't given up everything. That's like that new wineskin that you try and put a patch on it. And so he's trying to apply this rule of, I will tick all the boxes that God expects from me. That's laying, that's dying. Laying down my life is reading the Bible and finding all the checklists to do and ticking them off. And Jesus can see in his heart that there's one problem. That he's done everything, but he hasn't given up everything. 
and says, says to him, go sell your wealth. I think if Jesus framed it like this most possibly, go sell everything you have and use it to support yourself in ministry as you follow me. You would have been like, I'm in, I'm done. I'll sell everything and I'll follow you for the rest of my life. But I just want all that stuff that I've worked so hard for. And Jesus says, no, 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 I want you to take everything, sell it, and give it to the poor. Do you know why I use the analogy of the poor? The poor is like a black hole. You get nothing out of it. You don't even get gratitude. You don't even get, you can give someone and get zero gratitude. That's what Jesus taught. You will always have the poor among you. And so I want you to take everything that you've built your whole life for, that you've done so well, that you've followed, that you've built your reputation with. I want you to take that and I want you to just give it into a black hole. And then follow me. And it says that young man turns and he walks because Jesus asked too much from him. I want to ask you this morning, is there something that if Jesus asks it from you, is it too much? Is it that relationship? Is it that job? Is it that status? Is it that money? Is it that house? Is it that business? Is it that success? Is it your children? Galatians 6 verse 14. Paul is speaking and he says this. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I have lost, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has died also. Because of that cross, the comparison is this, is what Jesus, has what Jesus done for you become so valuable and important to you that actually the world has lost your interest? Because it shapes the way you live. So now, at the risk of being too practical, I want to use some illustrations. If I'm going to throw a stone in the bush. If it hits, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not aiming at anyone. I'm aiming at the bush. So, for example, when we, as a church, we talk about things like, hey, guys, we would love it if you could open your homes for hosting. If your home is actually not your own, it's not that difficult. If your stuff really belongs to the Lord, it's really easy for you to just be like, sure, totally. If your finances are not your own, and I'm really touching golden cars this morning, please forgive me. And it's, or your car, if your car's not your own, hey, listen, there's a bunch of guys, there's internationals coming from overseas, we're having this incredible conference, these guys are paying thousands and thousands of rands to be here. Could they use your second car? And you're like, oh, I don't know. The insurance only has me covered as the primary driver. Mm, what about the maintenance? You know, like, I'm, I, I don't want to just use this, but this is small stuff, but this small stuff is sometimes such a good reflection of your heart, actually. So often, we can talk about everything else, like, God wants your time and energy. Do you know that a Sunday morning... To, to be together as a church as, on a Sunday morning actually has become such a difficult thing. <laughs> it's like, hey guys, listen, we need to encourage people to be there. Can we, we're having a combined meeting. Can we all be there? It's going to be amazing. We're going to hop it up. We've got to make sure that you want to be there because it has to compete with your interest on everything else on that evening. And I'm saying, 
Actually, if you've lost interest in the world and it's like, hey guys, we want to get together, we want to pray, we want to do this, it should be like, totally, that's where my interest is. That actually as a church, that we're called to live such a radical life. That you as a believer, it's not, it's not just, uh, I, I kind of do this Christianity thing the way I want. No, there is a way, and it's Jesus the way. And that way is we, we lay down everything. That way is, hey guys, we need to plant a church in Clansia. Who can work remotely and go with to help plant a church and cleanse here. That's the type of, that's the type of radical faith that the Lord has called us to. I'm not so sure, you know, my family's here. Cleanse here's a little bit far. It's cold and hot, it's a desert. There's only one thing there and that's a mine. I'm not so sure, I wanna, have you been to cleanse here? I have. It's incredible. I didn't know that there could be one shop that sold absolutely everything. <laughs> you get your petrol there, you get your dope there, you get your bra meat there, you get your toiletries there. Would you go to Clancia? That's the moral of the preach. You can make that the title. Clancia Church Plant. No, but would we be those that, that actually to ask is not to... Uh, we shouldn't feel like I'm asking too much because actually you've given it to Jesus in the first place. Actually, when, if your job starts to really interfere with your walk with Jesus, would you change jobs? Would you earn less? If your life didn't always look up, if it wasn't always going from this to this, I've, and I'm saying this because I know that that's what this church has been built on. And so remember on This Is Church on Wednesday night, Andrew spoke about this church was built on the sacrifices of those who've come before us in this church. You know that. That guys have sacrificed. There are men and women who sold their houses to build this building. Do you know that? It's a family who sold their house and took the money and put it into this building so that we could sit here and meet. If there are those in this church, and now I want to say this, if this church was built on their sacrifice, what will the church in 20 years look like if it's built on your sacrifice? Your sacrifice of time, your, your sacrifice of your money, your sacrifice of your attitude, of your, give, of your response to being there. And we, in a way, have had it, we're, we are super blessed. And maybe you're somebody who at one stage, and this is the downside, there is no retirement in the kingdom. I met with our refirees this week, and I'm meeting with them again on Wednesday. I love that group. That's my new com group. The refirees, where the average age is 40, eh, when I came. And I was blown. Do you know that in the kingdom, there is, you've never get to a point where you've given enough and done enough and you've, you've laid it all down and now you just get to sit back and enjoy what God has done. No, it means daily. Jesus said to them, if you want to follow me, every single day you pick up that cross and you follow me. Every single day until there is no more. Is that how we follow Jesus? Do we give him everything every day? Colossians 1 verse 24, I'm going to land here. 
I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Paul is writing this letter and he's literally saying, I'm being shipwrecked, I'm being beaten, I'm being flogged, I'm being, I'm suffering. We don't actually know what suffering is, just in case if I had to say, hey guys, who feels like they're suffering at the moment? It'll be like, ah, oh, the interest rate is so high, it's pinching my budget, or I'm having to, it's so cold when I get up for work and it's dark and like, I've had to, I've had to give up some leave to be at some church meetings, like I'm suffering for the gospel. It's, it's, it's really, it's tough, I'm out of capacity, we've had three meetings this week, like how much more does God want from me? Flap. Sheesh. Been to the church three times in one week, I'm exhausted. Saying like, I think, I think it's so easy for us to compare what we think is, we don't know suffering. Paul's saying, my suffering, he's talking about being beaten, whipped, flogged, shipwrecked, locked up in prison a lot. I think if, I think, to be honest, I think if one of us went to, the, to prison for a month for the gospel, that we would be like, wow. Paul's life was consistently in prison for preaching the gospel. So I wanted to draw this to a very simple conclusion. Where is the line for you where it becomes too much of an ask for Jesus? Where is the line that if I had to sit with you and we had a one-on-one conversation and I had to say, where is the line of too much? Would you give him your, some of us are like, oh, I'll give him my marriage easily. That's easy. Yeah, Lord, take her. Take her now if you want. <laughs> Not in a bad way for the kingdom. Like, Lord, you could take her tomorrow. I mean, children, yeah, Lord, take half. Easy, done. I lay down half of them. What about that, that, that personal capacity, that time of like, okay, Lord, sure. Two, two nights a week is quite a lot. Sunday and Wednesday, like, I feel like I'm giving you a lot in terms of my time or my, my finances or where is that line for you of, no, this has now become too much? That line should be at the end of everything. And not just in saying, in, in living. And I promise you, I'm not standing here this morning saying, I'm doing this 100% and you are not. I am cut to the core convicted. Because I've realized it's so easy for me to want to save me. It's so easy for me to think, I just want to do, I just, I'm really poured out. I've really given everything. And I'm like, I've given this much. Jesus wants it all. Do you know why? Because where there is death, he brings life. In every area of your life that you die and yield and surrender to Jesus, he will bring life into that thing for you. If you do lay him down, if you do lay down your spouse in your marriage, if you, which means to love them like Jesus did and to go low and to be humble and to always work at it and to always work it out, I promise you when you yield and you die and you surrender, he brings life. When your worship on a Sunday morning is not according to your preference, when they don't sing your favorite song or when the expectation is that you'll worship actually with your body like the Bible would say, I promise you when you do it, you'll find life. 
when there's a, a, when there's a cost to come and be at a meeting, or, hey, could, we, could you come over? We've got some new people coming over who don't know Jesus and want to get together, and we want you to introduce them. Or get to, when, you, when you pay the price, you'll see the life come. If you don't get up early and you don't want to spend time with him and you don't want to read your Bible and you don't want to pray, you're not going to find life in your relationship with Jesus. But when you do, you will find such life. And so if there's any area of dryness that you're experiencing at the moment, I want to ask yourself, are you dead in that thing? 